Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Kajorge Show, hosted by yours truly, Kajorge. Um, I hope that everyone is having a wonderful weekend. Hopefully, everybody had a nice week. Mine was unrestful, but I've gotten a lot of rest this weekend so far, and I feel ready and refreshed to have an amazing show today. Um, there are quite a different, quite a couple different topics I want to get into in today's episode. So let's get started. Um, the first thing I wanted to talk about is the announcement of Taylor Swift's Eras Tour movie being released in movie theaters starting October 13th. Um, for those who have been living under a rock, Taylor has been on her Eras Tour very, very successfully over the last couple of months, and it's broken so many records. It's sold out like practically every single city she's gone to. Um, it's just like a really successful tour, probably her most successful tour of her entire career thus far. Um, I really wanted to go to one of her New York shows, but along with Renaissance, the tickets were literally in the thousands resale. Um, and I just, I couldn't do it, but, um, I'm excited for the movie to come out just because I really have only seen one performance, um, on like YouTube, which is Cruel Summer, which is probably my favorite Taylor Swift song. It's definitely in like, well, it's hard to pick just one song, but I, no, I think that's probably my favorite Taylor Swift song. I love that song. Um, but I'm excited to actually watch the film because, um, I feel like it's, you feel like you went to the show. I mean, it reminds me of back in the day when, um, the Hannah Montana Best of Both Worlds tour movie came out. I was like 15? I think 14 or 15 and I really wanted to go to the tour but it didn't happen so when I found out that they were making a movie out of it it was really exciting and I know I wasn't the only one that was excited that you know because I couldn't go to the show now I can see it on the big screen and it was really really cute I went with my one of my childhood best friends Anna and it was in 3D so we had the glasses it was just like a really cute fun night and um, I'm happy that Taylor decided to do this. Um, a, and B, she's kind of a genius because she's going to bake even more money <laughs> than she already has from this tour. And she's also going to make a lot of her fans happy. So yay for Taylor. And I also think it's cute that it comes out on the 13th of October because the 13th is, you know, 13 has been a number that has always been a part of her whole career. I think it's like her lucky number or something. So um, it's cute. I'm definitely excited for it to come out. And yeah, go Taylor. Uh, the next thing I wanted to get into is I was recently on Twitter and I came across this tweet. I think it was from like pop culture or something. It's one of those, like, Y2K accounts that I follow that, like, tweets iconic 2000s, like, pop culture moments. And um, they were like, this is the 18-year anniversary of Kelly Clarkson's 
iconic since you've been gone VMA performance in the rain from like 2005. And when I saw it, I was just like, that is so crazy because I remember it like it was yesterday. I remember like 2005, I was, I'm terrible at math, so I'm not even going to try to figure it out. But I was, no, I must have been like, 2005 before 2000 maybe like 10 or 11 years old I will say um let's go with 11 and I was going through my quote-unquote punk rock phase and at that time I was very into uh Ashley Simpson Hot Topic The Color Black the movie The Nightmare Before Christmas putting safety pins on everything, but having to take them all home by the time I got home from school, (laughs) drawing, like, um, taking a black Sharpie and, like, drawing stitches all over my arms to resemble Sally the Ragdoll from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Um, I remember I bought this, like, Nightmare Before Christmas, like, coffin tin from Hot Topic, and it was really cute. I would put, like, uh, well, cute for me in 2005. I put, like, all my pencils and, like, gel pens and erasers in it. And, like, that was, like, my little, you know, like a, like a pencil pouch or whatever. That was what I used back in 2005. But I was also a huge fan of Kelly Clarkson's Since You've Been Gone era. Um... I just so vividly remember the music video. She wore a green, kind of like a baby tee. Well, not, it wasn't really like a baby tee, but it was just like a a plain green t-shirt. Those black kind of parachute capris that had like the straps and like the links and stuff like that with like the, the silver hardware that was definitely popular and they sold in Hot Topic and black. Converse sneakers and a crazy black smoky eye. And I was just obsessed. I was like, um, I want to wear this every day. <laughs> and in the music video, she like went to her boyfriend's loft or something. And she basically figured out he was cheating. And so she like fucked it up. She was like ripping up his clothes. She was using scissors and like cutting off like the the straps from I think like the girl he was shooting with was like there too like some of her stuff and she was basically just going ham and at the end of the music video she like struts out of the apartment and she like leaves the door and then him and the girl that he's been cheating on her with are like coming from the other side and she also swiftly just like puts the fedora hat that she's wearing, like, to cover her eyes so they don't notice her. How that happens, I don't know. And they, like, walk in, and they see the chaos, and it was iconic. But I'm going off course. The actual performance at the VMAs was so cool because, like I said, it actually took place during the rain. And she had, like, blonde hair. She was so into the performance she was such she looked like such a fucking rock star like this was like everything and her vocals were killer and like the audience everyone was like it was like headbanging and like <laughs> it was just a very memorable iconic 
VMA performance that I will never forget. And the fact that it's been 18 years since that performance is crazy. Um, she has a talk show now that's very successful and she's put out dozens and dozens of albums since uh, that album. I think it was on Breakaway. I think that was the album Since You Be Gone was on, but I was also obsessed with Behind These Hazel Eyes, Because of You. I've always really loved Kelly Clarkson's music and I feel like a couple years later down the road when I was kind of going through like a rough time, her song Stronger was a song that I leaned on very heavily for inspiration and um, like empowerment. I love that song and I just love Kelly Clarkson. So, but I'm digressing. So basically when I found that out, I was just like, you know what? The VMAs are coming up in a couple weeks and it kind of made me want to make a list of my top 10 favorite VMA performances of all time. And that's exactly what I did. And I'm going to review that to you all. Okay, so starting off, and these are, they're not really in a particular order. Um, I was kind of just like going off of like, which ones I remember and stuff like that. But um, I don't know, here we go. So starting off with number 10, it is Lady Gaga at the 2020 VMAs. And she performed a Chromatica medley at the time. And um, it was a really interesting time, obviously. That was like during the height of COVID and quarantine and lockdown and MT. Oh, very funny story. <laughs> Hold up, I just remembered a very funny story. Hold on. I don't know how I completely forgot to add this in the notes, but okay. So for this performance uh, at the 2020 VMAs, one of my best friends, Erica, we we knew, we heard that the VMAs that year were going to take place here in New York. And so I was trying to figure out where it was going to be. And I don't know, I saw on Twitter that I think they said it was going to be in like Red Hook or something. And like, Red Hook is a neighborhood in Brooklyn that's, like, kind of hard to get to. There's, like, a lot of trains you have to get on to get there. I suppose if you had a car, it might be a little bit easier, but it's kind of a bitch to get there. So, um, yeah, obviously everybody knows the VMAs is live, right? So me and Erica, once I kind of found out where it was, I was just like, okay, well, you know what? I don't even need to know the exact address. All I know is that it's going to be in Red Hook. And I would imagine since it's the VMAs, there's going to be like, you know, tents outside. There's going to be like commotion. Like you're going to be able to tell where the event is being held at. And so me and Erica, we make this whole day out of it. Um, first, we get Chipotle. And we just eat. We fuel ourselves. And then we start walking from like a park that was kind of nearby. We just kept like walking. It said on the GPS, it was maybe like, I think like a 30 or 35 minute walk from where we were. So we're like, let's walk up to Chipotle. And it was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. The weather was gorgeous. August, it wasn't like too hot, surprisingly. It was just like a cute afternoon. And um, 
yeah, basically we get to where we think the performance is going to be and nothing is set up. There's no barricades. There's nothing really going on. And so she was just like, are you sure this is where it's supposed to be? And I said, yeah. And so I get on Twitter again and I like look at the... (laughs) I look up the hashtag, like, VMAs or whatever, and apparently it was, pre- it was, like, pre-recorded already, but, like, it wasn't clear where it was recorded or how, it just, I saw, all I saw was pre-recorded, and me and, we just looked at each other, we just died laughing, we're like, we're so stupid, but at the same time, it's like, it's, live the vmas are always usually live so it's like it wasn't that crazy to assume it was going to be live but i guess in retrospect obviously because it was like during the pandemic they were going to probably do things differently but um we just had like a big old laugh about it (laughs) and we still talk about it to this day we'll just like laugh about it but um in terms of gaga's performance she did a medley of chromatica um, because the album came out like a month or two before and it was really, really successful. And she opened it with 911 and then she went into Raid on Me with Ariana, which was a really big deal because this was the very first time they ever performed it live together, live with air quotes. Um, and yeah, it was just a really cool performance. The other half, I didn't really like care for. It was like Stupid Love. I don't really care about that. But um, I would just like rewatch the Rain On Me performance like over and over again. And it's so cool looking back now. Because, not cool, but it's interesting looking back now because um, they were performing wearing face masks. And it's just so crazy that it's kind of like a time capsule because that was what we were all doing at that time and I thought that it was really responsible of them to promote you know what we were all being told at the time which is to wear a face mask to you know protect yourself from the virus and um it's just like a really cool iconic performance and one that I always think of but moving on to number nine is okay also I was going to just make an artist that had like multiple VMA performances. I was only gonna choose one, but I got up to like number nine on the list or eight. I was just like, you know what, I can't do this. I'm just gonna Gaga is kind of like the queen of the VMA, so and each of these performances that's on my list really did like impact me on some level. So I'm just like, fuck it, whatever. But number nine is Gaga performing applause at the 2013 VMAs. Um, At the time, Art Pop was going to be coming out soon. Applause was the first single. Um, The VMAs took place in Brooklyn for the first time at Barclays Center. And she opened the show and it was really spectacular. She... I remember there was, like, audio of people, like, booing when she first showed her face on the screen, and people were, like... I remember I was at my friend Leona's house at the time, and we were just, like, are people booing her? Like, what is going on? Um, But it was, like, a part of the thing, because it's the whole, like, performer, wanting the applause of the audience, all that shit. I don't know. But 
Um, the performance was really good. I love that she kind of paid homage to the Fame Monster era, and um, I think she did Born This Way era too. Um, it was just like a really cool performance. Um, loved it. Definitely reenacted it a couple times in like my bedroom at that time. <laughs> it was cute. Uh, number eight is Missy Elliott. Uh, she had a medley performance at the 2019 VMAs because she received the VMA Michael Jackson Vanguard Award, which is like an award that goes to an artist who is like iconic and they've had a lot of career achievements and they're just like an icon basically. So she performed a medley of her songs and it was just a really good performance. I remember <laughs> somebody in the audience that was just like such a mood was Halsey. Like I, it's hard for me to explain like how much of a mood it was, but basically Missy was performing Get Your Freak Out, Get Your Freak Out, and the camera, like, pans out to Halsey, and she's just, like, um, twerking, throwing it back, like, flipping her hair, like, she looks such a mood, like, her tongue out, like, she looked like such a mood, like, it was really funny. It was hilarious. I, that was a great performance. Um... Next up, number seven, which is what I kind of talked about, the Kelly Clarkson Since You've Been Gone performance, VMAs 2005. Uh, number six is Taylor Swift, who performed You Belong With Me at the VMAs in 2009. I need more water. Hold on. Oh, Lord. Okay, so this is the year of the infamous Kanye interrupting her on stage. Um, she performed before this happened. I think she's still wearing the red dress that she performed in when she went on stage to get the award, if my memory serves me well. Um, but it was really cute. Uh, she started off the performance on a subway platform, I think at Penn Station, either at Penn Station or a subway near Rockefeller Center. I don't know the exact train station, but, like, you know, just know that. And then, <laughs> basically, she starts singing and performing, and then she goes on to the actual subway cart, and there's fans inside. They're all singing the lyrics. They're all singing the chorus. Everybody's, like, jumping up and down. It's really, really cute. And then she goes out on the street. She's like, come on, everybody, follow me. And she just, like, runs out the cart. And she runs out to, like, Rockefeller Center. And then she, like, hops on top of a taxi. And then she, like, puts her arm in the air. She starts singing the chorus. You belong with me. <laughs> and it was such a cute, magical performance. I just remember, like, back in 2009, I was, like, um, how old was I, like, 16 or something, and at that time, I'd never been to New York before, and I always wanted to go to New York, and so it was so exciting seeing her. I'm like, oh my god, she's on, like, a subway train, and oh my gosh, there's taxis. Like, it was such a cute performance, um, and yeah, it was just, like, a cute performance, and it sucks that she went through what she went through later on that evening, but you know what? 
I think we all can agree that Taylor Swift fucking won in the end because look at where Kanye is now. I love Kim and the Kardashians very much, but obviously, you know, she went through some dips as well. And Taylor, you know, she landed on top and now she's just killing it. And yeah. Number five is the medley between Ariana Grande, Jessie J, and Nicki Minaj at the 2014 VMAs. Um, The songs that were performed were Break Free, Bang Bang, and Anaconda. And this was such an iconic performance. It was really, really... I rewatched this performance so many times. Basically, Ariana started it off performing Break Free. I think this was the first time she performed it, like, live or, like, a big award show or whatever. And she was wearing the blondes. She was wearing this, like, purple rhinestone bodysuit that was reminiscent of what she wore in the music video, which paid homage to Barbarella. Um... She she was so adorable, like, really great vocals. I love all her little runs. And then after she completed her song, then it cut to, like, Jessie J um, starting off Bang Bang. And then, you know, Ariana did her verse. And then Nikki arrived and delivered her verse. Um, oh, wait, no, I'm going crazy. I'm sorry. So Bang Bang was after Anaconda. <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it first, Ariana did Break Free, and then it cut to Nikki's Anaconda performance. Um, because I remember towards the end, she had like a, a wardrobe malfunction when she came out on stage for Bang Bang. She basically had like a black dress that she was holding for dear life around her boobs, so like she wouldn't like be exposed. And <laughs> she, she killed her though, like she did her verse and like that type of tenacity like it was just so like inspiring and I remember she had I think it was like her second MTV documentary she did that around that time and she kind of talked about what's, what was going on backstage and it was just a mess and you know she was just like I'm not gonna fuck up my performance and she did the damn thing and it the rest is history. Number four is Beyonce performing single ladies at the 2009 VMAs. Um, now, I know you might be wondering, why is this Beyonce performance your favorite VMA performance over the Lemonade medley or the self-titled medley? And I will tell you why. The reason why is because at, in 2009, single ladies was like the biggest song in the world. and I was just obsessed with the choreography, love the music video. I am Sasha Fierce to this day. Mm, okay, I'm lying. Renaissance is now my favorite Beyonce album of all, of all time. But before Renaissance came out, I am Sasha Fierce would, was my number one favorite Beyonce album. And um, yeah, I was obsessed with all of the songs, all of the singles, Halo, um video phone uh diva also loved radio all like that whole era was just like so good and i remember she performed it with such like fer- ferocity ferocity like so much like 
fierceness and it was just everything. It was a really good performance. And I, for some reason, I feel like for like a couple years after that performance, like you couldn't really find it online. Um, even now, I think if you look on YouTube, it's probably like a really old like recording. It's not like in like HD or anything like that. I don't know why. Um, maybe it's because of like everything that happened with Kanye, but I just really love that performance. Um, number three is my girl Miley performing We Can't Stop at the VMAs in 2013. Now, this was her iconic twerking performance. And I mean, I talked about this a little bit, I think like an episode ago or like two episodes ago, but basically, you know, at this time it was bangers and she was doing her thing and um, We Can Stop was really, really successful. And this was her very first time performing at the VMAs. Um, I think maybe she did like the pre-show before or something like that when she was younger, but um, this was her moment. Like she was like on the tips of everybody's tongue, like everybody was anticipating this performance including myself. And it opens up with a ginormous teddy bear that like his stomach opens up and then she like walks out. She's wearing like space buns. She's wearing this teddy bear leotard with these platform creepers. I think that they glue in the dark. Um, Chanel jewelry down, you know, necklace, earrings, everything. She looked great. Um, after she performed We Can't Stop, she took off the teddy bear leotard and she's in like nude latex. And then she joined Robin Thicke on stage who performed Blurred Lines because it was 2013 and that was also one of the biggest songs at the time. And, you know, she starts twerking on him and she uses a foam finger and starts touching herself and... To me, it was just very fun. It was, like, funny. I didn't think it was so offensive or anything like that. But, my God. After she was done on stage, I get on Twitter. It's, like, 5 million tweets per second. Like, Twitter is, like, going crazy. Because I remember when I was watching the performance, I tweeted, like, oh, my God, my girl. And then I put my phone down. And I was, like, watching the performance. And then... um. Afterwards, I, I went back to Twitter, and I just saw everybody's reactions, and it was wild. People were, like, wilding. Like, it was... You would have thought she did some crazy-ass shit on stage. But I loved it. I loved it. And, um, you know, her documentary that she did with MTV called Miley the Movement, which was my actual religion back in 2013. I watched it so many times. Um, it was behind the scenes of the performance and that whole era, and I love it very much, and my girl did what she had to do. Now, number two is the Hollywood, Like a Virgin, um, Twerk It, Reverse It, whatever song it was, medley between Britney Madonna and Christina Aguilera at the 2003 VMAs, Older Water Break. Okay, so this performance is obviously 
one of the most iconic VMA performances in history. One of the most iconic, like, live performances ever on, like, television history. Um, in 2003, I must have been, like, eight or nine years old or something like that. Um, obsessed with Britney Spears, obsessed with Christina Aguilera. Not so much obsessed with Madonna at that age. I didn't really know that much about her. I was still pretty young. She wasn't, like, what I was listening to. But I was aware of, like, how big of a deal she was. Um, but I think, I don't remember actually watching the performance, like, sitting down. But I just remember, like, the next day, it was, I think, on the front page of, like, the Washington Post newspaper, like, a photo of Madonna kissing Britney. And I think it was on the front page of, like, the New York Times, New York Post, whatever. Um, it made, like, national news. Like, everybody was just, like, bugging, very reminiscent to Miley. Um, and it was just a really iconic moment. Um, I didn't really appreciate the performance until I was about maybe, maybe like 26 or 27, maybe, I would say. Definitely like after I moved to New York, um, just because obviously at that time, like I was fully aware of who Madonna was and how fucking iconic this was. And, um, yeah, the performance, just starts off with, like, a virgin, and Britney comes out wearing, like, the little wedding dress tutu or whatever, and she sings, like, the first couple of verses, then it cuts to Christina Aguilera coming out, um, wearing, like, a similar bridal outfit to Britney, and in contrast to Britney, Christina had, um, dark hair at the time. Um, it wasn't even, like, brunette. It was, like, actual, like, black hair. She was very tan. She looked very, uh, like, opposite from Britney, which, obviously, it was, like, kind of cute because they were both, like, on Disney Channel together. They were both in the Mickey Mouse Club together. People kind of, like, pinned them against each other because they are both kind of, like, you know, two young girls that came from Disney that were coming up in the music industry that were very, very successful, both kind of you know, more in their, like, sexy image at that time, and just so much misogyny around that time, and still to this day going on, but whatever. And then Madonna came out, um, she, like, came up from the freaking floor through the, what's it called, like, when performers come from, like, the ground up on that stand lift, whatever, um, she's wearing kind of, like, a black tuxedo moment kind of like she's the groom basically and she has like a big black top hat like to the left of her side and then she walks down the steps wearing with like a cane or something and they start dancing um madonna twirls extina and then madonna madonna twirls britney and then um she like britney like goes gets on like one knee and then Madonna, like, uses her index finger, like, pulls her up ever so slowly. And then they share a kiss. And what's really funny, <laughs> what's hilarious, looking back now, is I think a lot of people don't realize that 
Madonna Chris kissed Christina as well. Like as soon as she kissed Britney, she like turned um to the left side and she kissed uh I keep getting tongue-tied. <laughs> she kissed she kissed Christina, but once Madonna kissed Britney, the camera like it turned to Justin Timberlake in the audience and his face he looked so pissed which I think was a publicity stunt because well actually maybe it wasn't maybe Britney didn't tell him that was a part of the show but um he looks like pissed and uncomfortable um and then it panned back to Madonna and Christina but it was after they had kissed and <laughs> Madonna had pulled back and then they both like point behind them and then Missy Elliott comes out on stage and joins them. And it's just like this really fun, iconic, poppy, girly, campy, gay performance. And it like pans to like Paris Hilton in the audience. It's just like, has her hands up in the air. She's just like loving it and dancing. And like Lindsay Lohan is like behind her, like feeling it. She's like feeling the performance too. It's like a really iconic moment. But the number one, my number one favorite VMA performance of all time is, drum roll please, Gaga performing paparazzi at the 2009 VMAs. Now, this is my one, two, my third favorite performance from the 2009 VMAs. So... I think it's kind of safe to say 2009 VMAs was probably the most iconic VMAs of all time, just for so many different reasons. But yeah, this performance, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was watching the VMAs in the living room with my parents. I was like on the floor, like on my tummy, like summer party pose, like just like palms on like my face, just like so excited to watch her performance, because I think at that time, I was a fan of Lady Gaga's music to a certain degree. Like, I remember I had, like, an MP3 player, and I had Paparazzi and Just Dance downloaded on the on my MP3 player, but um, she wasn't really, like, huge yet. You know what I mean? Like, she was kind of, like, a newcomer at that time, and... Everybody, there was kind of like whispers, like everybody's just like, Gaga's performance is coming up soon. Like, you don't want to miss this performance. And she, you know, opens the performance on the ground. She's wearing like this white lace uh, outfit, kind of, I don't even know how to describe it, but she's like wearing like white lace and very thick black smoky eyeshadow and like pink blonde hair and she's just singing the song and then another point she is in like a wheelchair and she's like wheeled out into like the center of the stage and like all the dancers are all wearing like white lace and they're all dancing very like sexually and like it's so exciting and obviously the moment that everybody remembers is when after she's done performing I think the bridge on the piano, she like stands up and she starts saying, I'm your biggest fan, I'll follow you until you love me. I sounded so ugly, forgive me. Um, 
and she starts bleeding from like the bottom of her bra. And yo, you can hear the it's crazy. You can hear the audience like <gasps> because I think people didn't know if it was like real or, or if it was like fake. Everybody was just like really like shocked. And I've never seen to this day, I've never seen a performance where you can hear the whole audience like <gasps> like gasp. Like everybody's like horrified. And she's just like bleeding on stage and then uh, a bunch of her other dancers, they come up and like they like circle her. They're like covering her so they can get her like propped up so she can be tied from the ceiling. And they all back up away from her. And then we just hear like camera lights like snapping, like paparazzi, like snap, 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 like click, 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 click that sound. And um, she has like blood on the inside of her left eye and she's not blinking she's just like looking like staring into the the camera with no expression on her face almost like she's dead um obviously it wasn't real blood it was like food coloring or whatever but still to this day i'm not quite sure how she got that onto her actual like eye but it was crazy it was really really crazy i was just like so I think I was like a little bit scared <laughs> after the performance but I remember like my mom and dad they were just like what is this like they were not happy about it and then I got on Twitter and so many people were like this is disgusting like this was like abomination like nobody understood it they thought she was a freak and then it was just like a crazy iconic moment but she she did that like she did that it was a moment that none of us will ever ever forget especially if you're like a millennial or like a gen z you just will never forget that performance and it was just really really crazy um yeah i need more water hold on <laughs> All right, so now that I'm done with the VMAs talk, I want to get into the next topic, which is the report that came out that Billy Porter is banned from ever attending the Met Gala ever again after he publicly called Anna Wintour a bitch. Now, for those who have no idea what I'm talking about, um, basically... This all started, I guess, like, maybe it was, like, early last year, or maybe, like, towards the middle of the year of last year, but Harry Styles was on the cover of American Vogue, and he was the first guy to ever be on the cover of American Vogue wearing a dress, and I love Harry Styles' style. <laughs> Um, I don't have many male fashion icons. They're all primarily women, but the two male style icons that I do consider, like, for me, like, insp inspirational, like, I will look at some of their outfits and I'll try to recreate it, is Harry Styles and Kanye before he got canceled. Um, I just love how whimsical his style is. I love how androgynous it is. 
while I do completely agree with the fact that Harry Styles does queer bait, and I don't think that's okay. I think it's really, really not okay. Um, as far as his fashion goes, I feel like he doesn't try to be anything that he's not. Um, I feel like he's very authentic to who he is, and I feel like his style went into like overdrive once he started working with Gucci. Um, he just, I think he was in a campaign for them or something, or I think Alessandro, who was the creative director of Gucci at the time, I think he like styled him for the Met Gala or something like that. Like, I just remember like there was a very like prevalent partnership between Gucci and Harry Styles. And he was just always seen wearing Gucci. And, you know, at that time, Gucci was all about like whimsical prints and, you know, florals and cats and Mary Janes and everything like that. And to this day, like I was just telling like my friend this the other day, like I really want a pair of black Mary Janes very badly for fall. And like when I saw Harry Styles walk out wearing like, Gucci Mary Jane's. I thought that was so dope. I thought he like styled it so well. And I just love people that are themselves and they just dress how they want, be damned what anybody else has to say. I think it's one of the most admirable qualities of a person. And I don't know. When I saw him on the cover of American Vogue wearing the dress, I didn't think it was like a shtick. I didn't seem like something that seemed so far-fetched or out of reach for him. It felt like very organic. And I thought it was cool. I thought it looked hot. I thought, I think men that wear dresses or skirts, it's so hot to me in terms of like, it's just that self-confidence and like, self-assuredness that you're comfortable enough to like wear whatever you want to want wear whatever you want to wear is like very admirable and also I just think it looks hot um <laughs> so yeah I was for him on the cover but Billy came out he came out swinging he was like full this is ridiculous I've been wearing dresses and I don't have a American Vogue cover. Where's my cover? Basically, just like shitting on him and very much having like pick me energy, which I thought was a lot of things. I thought it was shocking. I thought it was disappointing. And I thought it was, oh, well, I guess it was just those two things. Uh, <laughs> it was shocking because he is a man of a particular age and the fact that he was like crying over Harry Styles getting a Vogue cover before him wearing a dress seemed so ridiculous to me because I'm just like everybody is allowed to have their own opinions you know what I'm saying like you can think what you want but to publicly say that out loud especially when you know it's going to get a reaction especially if you're famous and Billy Porter before, first of all, I didn't even know who Billy Porter was until Pose came out. Apparently, like, he was a singer in the 90s or something like that, but he wasn't out of the closet at that time. Like, he was very much, like, in the closet. So I had no idea who he was. But when I did watch Pose, obviously, I, I found out who he was, and I started to do more research on him. And... um. I found out that he sang the song 
Love is on the way. That played in one of my favorite movies of all time, The First Wives Club, starring Diane Keaton, Bette Midler, and Goldie Hawn. I fucking love that movie so much. It makes me so happy. Um, I look you want to watch it tonight. Um, <laughs> but he sang... He sang that song that played in that scene that I, I was like, I love the song, but I don't know who sang the song. And so when I found out that Billy Porter sang the song, I was just like, Billy sang the song? Like, it was crazy. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. After he was on Pose, he definitely had a career resurgence. And, like, he was able to, I think, come out at that time. But I think at that point, we all knew he was, he was already gay. Um it was just interesting that, and then he, you know, he was always wearing dresses on the red carpet and he was always showing up to the Met Gala in these extravagant, fabulous outfits that were very amazing. And I think that Billy Porter has done a lot of good. And I think that he has definitely made an impact within the last couple of years in fashion when it comes to the idea of seeing a man in a dress um, and it not being in like a comedic way or not making fun of it, like actually looking at us, it like it's like an actual, like cool thing. Um, he definitely deserves some credit, but I just feel like <sighs> one of the things I always say, I've said this for years and years and years, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. I think the way that he just expressed himself with that whole, you know, shtick was really inappropriate, really unbecoming, and just disappointing, quite frankly. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Something came up, I guess, like a couple of weeks ago, and I think somebody asked him about Anna Wintour, and he said, don't get me... I, I don't even remember the exact quote, but it was something to the effect of, don't get me started on that old bitch, like that old white bitch, da-da-da, like, going in on her. And, you know, I guess they got back to Anna. She said, okay, bitch, well, you're banned. You know, you're never going to go to the Met Gala ever again, which if I was Anna Wintour, I would do the same thing because I'm just like, if this is my event and I'm the head cheese in charge, I'm the HBIC, and I'm the one who has 100% control over who's invited and who attends and who doesn't attend. I'm not going to let somebody who called me a bitch. And it wasn't in like an endearing way. It wasn't like, it wasn't like a term of endearing. It's like, oh, oh girl, bitch. You know, it wasn't like that. It was like a very nasty, um, very nasty way of like, cause bitch is like my favorite word. I say bitch every five seconds. But it's like, he said it in a very negative way and it was just not okay. And so she's like, okay, bitch, well, you're banned. And I thought that was interesting. And yeah. Uh, two more things and then I'm done. Um, the last, the other thing I want to talk about was Kylie Jenner being in her bag right now. Um, Kylie, I think there are a couple people that would say that the Kardashian fame train has kind of slowed down within the last recent years. Um, I still love them as much as I did day one. You know what I'm saying? Like, I I still watch the Kardashians, and I just love them very, very much. But I feel like Kylie 
recently has just been in her bag when it comes to like fashion campaigns and like marketing because it was just announced a couple months ago that she was the face of Jean-Paul Gaultier. Excuse me. She starred in a campaign for them and it was a beautiful spread. Um, really, really beautiful photo shoot. And um, it was just announced that she is um, starting the campaign for Acne Studios, I think for their upcoming like fall winter collection. And the pictures are breathtaking. They're really, really good. The vibe is like denim and kind of like, it kind of reminds me of like um, muddy, kind of, if you like a car mechanic or something like that, it's kind of like grungy and dirty, but like still looks really, really cool. And she's wearing like different sunglasses and she just looks incredible. Like she looks really, really good. Um, the campaign was shot by Carl Jen Jacobs, and there was a really cool shot of her. She paid homage to Dior's spring-summer 2000 campaign, which uh, featured the Dior uh, saddlebag. And basically, the models in the Dior ad, I think it was the same model, but they, like, doubled her. So she's, like... One of them is holding one from the back, and it's kind of like a sexual pose. And Kylie reenacted it, and she's holding herself, and it just looks really, really dope. Looks really, really cool. And I feel like people will say whatever they want to say about the Kardashians, but I feel like people also recognize when things are good and when things are, like, amazing and the last two fashion campaigns that Kylie has done for Gautier and now Acne Studios is breathtaking and I'm happy that she's getting her due credit. Now, the other Kylie announcement thing, which is what I'm even more excited about, is Kylie Jenner is the very first celebrity to team up with Bratz to have her own Bratz doll, which is so major. Um, I feel like... Kylie first started being associated with Bratz back in like 20, 2016, 2017, because at that time, like, you know, her lips were done and her body was starting to change and her face was starting to change. And I just remember there's this scene on uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. It features Kendall and Kylie, and they're talking about coming to New York to show their recent Kendall and Kylie collection to Vogue for them to review it for Fashion Week or something like that. And um, Kendall is just kind of like freaking out. She's kind of looking through some of the pieces on like a rolling rack and Kylie's just like, girl, chill, like we're good, like we got this. And then Kendall looks, turns to Kylie. She's like, has anybody ever told you that you look like a Bratz doll before? And Kylie kind of just like giggles and rolls her eyes. But people were saying that like for quite a while. And so, uh, yeah, basically she teamed up with Bratz. And this is the very first time in the 21 years of the history of Bratz that they've ever teamed up with a celebrity to actually come out with their own doll. And um, it started off with these mini teeny tiny Kylie Bratz dolls that 
It's like two in a little purple package and they sell it at Target. I think it's like $10 for one. I really want to get one. And basically it's like, there is a Kylie that is wearing the Mugler dress that she wore to, I think, the Brooklyn Museum where they launched the, not the Brooklyn Museum, well, I don't know, some museum in Brooklyn where they launched like the Terry Mugler exhibit, which I'm still so bummed that I didn't make it to, but whatever. Um, she has like a really cool headpiece on. Um, there's a look from the Met Gala uh, where she wore the purple Versace dress and she's wearing the purple wig and like two other looks. It's like really cute. Um, and then there's accessories. There's like a purple car, uh, like a convertible, her dog Norman, who is an icon <laughs> and like a velvet rope, like on the red carpet or whatever. And when that was announced, I was like, okay, this is so cute, but I'm really hoping that they'll do like actual normal size Bratz dolls. Cause I mean, hello. Forgive me, I'm talking too much. Um, <laughs> so I was absolutely thrilled when it was announced like last week that um, we are getting actual Bratz doll size Kylie's. One of them is a day look and she's wearing like um, what is it? I think she's wearing just like a black dress or like a black two-piece outfit with black platform boots and sunglasses and bangs kind of. It's modeled after like a, a look she posted on Instagram. And then the second look is um, she's wearing Scaparelli. She has like a top bun. Um, it's kind of like a one-shoulder gown with black uh illusion mesh or whatever and she looks really really classy and elegant and inside of that one comes with norman the dog her iconic dog but there is a two feet tall brat doll of kylie of the purple versace met gala look from the camp exhibit which is i mean i can make an episode talking about how much i love that exhibit so much that is coming out um I think it's going to be released in January of next year, but the two normal size brats comes out on like October 4th or something, which I'm getting both, mark my words. And um, yeah, it's the very first time that they've done like a giant Bratz doll since the year two, uh, 2015. Um, the first celebrity doll that they've done. So it's like a really big deal. And I also really love the fact that um, the normal size Bratz dolls, they're only like $30. They're $29.99. And then the two feet tall uh, doll is $99, which I think is fair because that's definitely like a collector's item. You know what I'm saying? Um, I probably won't get the Met Gala one just because it's like, I don't need it. I'd rather have like the smaller ones, but who knows? Maybe once the photos of the packaging actually comes out, I'll be like, ooh, maybe I want this one. Um, but yeah, I just think it's really cute and iconic, and um, I'm really happy for it because that's like a really big deal. Um, she put out a statement the day it was released. She was like, I grew up playing with Bratz, and now that I have a Bratz doll of my own, it's like a dream come true, and it's just like a really cute moment for her. So, yeah.
Um, and yeah, I think that's pretty much it for this episode. Um, I covered a lot of ground, but like I say at the end of every single episode, I want to thank everybody who takes the time to listen to this. Um, it means the world to me because I really love making this show. Um, you know, if I could do this every day for the rest of my life and get paid, that would be just makes me so happy because I'm just, like, passionate about it. And, um, yeah. Oh, also, okay, so this is the 30th episode that I've recorded, like, all together, but it is the 24th episode of the second season. Um, next se- uh, next episode is going to be the 25th episode, and it's going to be the season finale. So, you know, it's going to be going to be gone for a little bit but when I return for season three it's going to be like I have so many ideas so many things that I want to get done and do with it Um, I want it to be more interactive I have like a lot of ideas so just stay tuned but um, yeah I just thought that was like a cute little milestone and I want to thank everybody who has taken the time to listen to all 30 episodes that I've done so far it makes me really happy um, I see the audience numbers grow with each episode, and it really does make me happy. And uh, just thank you. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Kajorge, the same title as the show, K U J O R G. And um, yeah, until next time, stay fabulous. Bye.